Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Healthy Dose of Dialogue podcast. I'm your host, Selena Wong, Senior Director of Clinical Pharmacy Programs at Blue Shield of California. And today joining me is Dr. Edward Foch. Dr. Foch is the CEO and founder of Gemini Health, a California-based health IT company that was formed to reduce healthcare costs through price transparency at the point of care. Dr. Foch is a nationally recognized expert in healthcare and the application of information technology to the healthcare industry. And in this episode, we'll hear Dr. Foch about how he is working with the industry to crack the code on drug cost saving through transparency, the evolving role of pharmacists, and how we can reimagine the pharmacy landscape. And I'm excited to be speaking with an industry leader who is helping to drive change in an industry that's largely been held hostage by pharmaceutical manufacturers and others who take advantage of the lack of pricing transparency. So thank you for joining me, Ed. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much. Great. As a pharmacist, I see an urgent need to increase the pace of change. In less than 20 years, medications have become far more complex. Some of them are being produced by DNA technology. The cost of medications have skyrocketed and the pharmacists are still filling prescriptions behind a counter instead of used for their expertise to help patients up front. Um, As a seasoned physician and an entrepreneur, you've watched and driven healthcare innovation for many years. So how did this journey lead you to Gemini Health in 2014? And how has Gemini's work evolved since that time? Both my journey and Gemini Health have been a bit of an evolution. So my personal story is that I practiced medicine for a decade Uh, ran a medical group, then ran an IPA, negotiated managed care contracts. But I got interested in in data and technology just as the internet took off. I founded a tech company and and actually a couple of tech companies. But the launch of Gemini actually happened when I was working for a company that uh, all of us old timers know called Physician's Desk Reference or PDR. It used to be the big blue or red book you saw in every doc and clinic. We were providing drug information uh, to physicians and pharmacists. And so we're constantly looking for how can we evolve and how can we expand the information that we provide, including we created a a data feed for electronic health records. So we were doing market research asking providers, you know, what else could we tell you? Is it dose calculators? Is it, you know, use in pregnancy? What is it? I was surprised to hear that what they were asking for was tell me the cost of the drug and lower cost alternatives. I was surprised because when I went to medical school, of course, as you know, Selena, there's not actually a course in pharmaceuticals in medical school. You sort of pick up pharmaceuticals along the way, which is, of course, part of the challenge that we have. Uh, But I never really thought, nor was I taught, that the cost of the drug was my issue. I always thought it was the patient's issue, the employer's issue, the health plan's issue, pharma's issue. I didn't know what a PBM was at the time. Uh, and so we, as I leaned further into that, I found that it was pharmacy callbacks, it was concerned about rising drug costs. Uh, and so I got the uh, inspiration or the idea for, um, for Gemini at PDR. We tried to start it actually as, a, as a, a project inside of PDR. And for various reasons, it didn't belong there. And that was the foundation of Gemini in 2014. Uh, as you well know, because of our partnership with Blue Shield, the, Gemini has evolved. The biggest learning is there's no silver bullet 
Uh, and that has been the evolution as we thought, well, gee, if we gave cost at prescribing, that would be enough. And then no, and then at any rate, we, we've learned a lot. And so our services working uh, with your team and others has evolved to a series of complex, uh, well, complex to us because we have to build and maintain them, simple to the end user services, all targeted with the same thing, which is create a competitive landscape in pharmacy where there has not been one in the past. Wow. Um, you know, I have a personal perspective on price transparency. I, I wonder if you would share how you think price transparency impacts providers and payers and patients? The corollary to transparency is competition. If you don't have transparency, you cannot have competition. But you need another thing. You need transparency, you need alternatives. If you go to Safeway or whatever store you uh, go to and you are, you know, are like, is it Coke or Pepsi? Uh, the price of Coke is relevant largely due to the price of Pepsi or Safeway Cola or whatever. So transparency is not sufficient. It's transparency plus alternatives. Both of those are missing. But if you provide one without the other, and as you know, uh, some of the federal mandates has have required cost delivery to the prescriber, but not alternative cost delivery to the prescriber. And without the latter, it's just sort of interesting, you know, sort of curious minds want to know. The second thing uh, of which uh, you and your team are very aware is there's two costs to every drug. There's what the patient pays, and then there's what the total cost of the drug is. And there are those in industry who would say, well, the latter is not important because uh, it's not what the patient pays, it's not what the doc cares about. But of course, as you also know, uh, that's just simply not true for a bunch of reasons. Total cost contributes to the cost of care, which now drugs are well over 20% of every healthcare dollar. But also most members of most plans have a deductible. And when the deductible resets, it's the total cost of the drug that's relevant. So you really have to say not only what's the cost of the patient, but what's the total cost of the drug, and very importantly, what are the alternatives and then as we have found, you have to find various ways to get that into workflow. So transparency leads to competition, competition leads to lower cost in every industry, except unfortunately the pharmaceutical industry, but hopefully we're well on the way to change that. I have a difficult time imagining any other industry where you don't know the price of two things to compare it to each other. And especially in something so important as your own healthcare and, and the medications that you're gonna take. So when you think about the high cost for prescription medications in the US, what would you say are the biggest barriers to keeping prescription medications affordable? Yeah, well, I, I mean, the starting point, as I said, is, is transparency alternatives leading to competition. Um, there are other challenges. Um, one of the biggest ones that we deal with every day is, so there's a drug that a patient's taking there is a lower cost alternative, there's savings to the member, there's total savings. Unless that is delivered in workflow to someone who can do something about it, it's a light under a bushel basket. It's, it's fascinating, but nothing happens. And traditionally, that's sort of been where, um, where healthcare is. You, you as a, a payer or an employer, you see everything after the fact in a claims file. Well, by then it's a little bit late. So, intersecting the pharmacist uh, who as we'll discuss as you know I, hopefully a, a growing role in the care team the prescriber and 
importantly, the patient or the member um, with that information at an actionable time. And each one of those has their own workload and their own thoughts. And if you deliver at the wrong time, and I can tell you this, in fact, I used to get faxes or thick manila envelopes from health plans with all of the lower cost alternatives and gaps in care. But the problem was the patient was nowhere to be found. And there was no good way to connect the information to the action, even if I wanted to. And so intersecting workflows and being there right place, right time is just as important as transparency alternatives leading to competition. Yeah, I used to be one of those pharmacists that mailed you that thick packet of. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we we already knew at the time that, you know, half the time you're it's going to sit on your desk because it's just it, it's just a static document. So, yes, being in workflow, um, having the patient in front of you is so critical and important to having that very crucial conversation. Inside and outside of healthcare in the industry, what partnerships do you think are really essential to realizing these, uh, you know, major milestones and progress in in what we've got to do? Well, the the uh, the, the 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 big one obviously is the payer provider partnership, um, which is multifaceted in terms of getting drug costs down. Uh, as as we've discussed, it's 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 you know, it, is there cost transparency? You're showing the total cost of the drug. You're showing alternatives. You're getting into workflow, but then you also have to get into, um, you know, motivations. I mean, it's easy to say, well, the doc or the pharmacist should, uh, you know, whoa, there's this information. I've got to take action on it. But uh, if you're in the trenches, um, seeing patients um, in in either role or many of the roles. There's a, there's a lot of chirping birds in the nest. Uh, yeah, you should do get the drug costs down, but you should do diabetic foot exams, and you should do, uh, you know, total body index, and you should do assessments of this and that, and this and that. So you know, how do you make sure that the incentives of the patient and the payer or the employer are aligned with that of the provider so it fits in to the you know I mean if I'm practicing medicine I'm seeing 30 35 patients a day if I don't do that nothing else really matters sadly mm-hmm. I mean we can discuss whether that's the right model or not in value based care but as it stands right now that is really it and so you know how do you get the incentives right then the 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 other piece of it frankly is that it's easy to say that the payers writ large but let's talk about health plans and employers should um, should be focused on drug cost and should be you know aligning with providers and so on and so forth. For health plans, especially health plans with, like Blue Shield that have a very sophisticated pharmacy team and high market share, that's much more doable. And, and of course, that's why we're executing on that. If you're a self-insured employer, though, it's a whole other ball game. And I don't mean this is not you know I'm not a PBM bashing guy, but essentially what you're doing is relying on your PBM. Mm-hmm. to provide services for you and their financial incentives may not be aligned with lowering your costs, no matter what you hope or think. So, uh, and you don't, as an employer, you don't have a pharmacy team. So the, so the, the employers have to find someone who is a bird of a feather, in my opinion. Uh, and in California, I, you know, obviously I would think that would be Blue Shield given the success that the team has had. But you really have to rely on someone other, in my opinion, other than the PBM. And I'm hoping that the consultants and the brokers catch up 
because as it is right now, once that PBM contract is signed, most employers are at the mercy of the PBM and, and they need to either insist their PBM provide a series of services, educate themselves and say, these are the services that work, or they need to find a partner like Shield or someone whose goals are aligned to, to get the cost down so that they can benefit from what the health plans are learning and delivering. Yeah, totally agree with you. Um, and just a little bit of a sidebar, from your perspective, what do you think needs to be done to ensure that people, patients, consumers have equitable access to affordable prescription drugs? You could answer that along lines of what we've discussed. Does the doctor know at the time of prescribing? Are they getting reports that say these are the lower cost alternatives? When the member comes in for an appointment, is the pharmacist and the care team empowered? Um, all of that should be the case, but I would say that that's necessary but not sufficient. Because, as you know, increasingly the, the patient, the member, is a key part of the care team. Mm-hmm. I mean, or, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the patient. It could be the mom. It could be the oldest daughter of the, you know, the senior, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have not been empowered. And, of course, there's the old school of thought that's, you know, that, that they don't need to know and they can't understand the drugs and so on and so forth. And I'm not trying to diminish the role of docs and pharmacists. They are clearly, as they say, the learned intermediaries, but uh, the days of the patient as the sort of, um, you know, coming to the doctor the way you used to go to church and just sort of listen to the sermon, I think are long since passed. So how do you get that actionable information, the transparency, the alternatives, and the competition to the member knowing that workflow to them is a completely different, I mean, this is what, what they do for a living, they have lives. So how do you make it just in time? How do you make it, oh, I saw that commercial and I wonder what that drug would cost and what the alternatives are for restless leg syndrome or whatever, and then make sure that it's available on the mobile app and make sure that when they log in, they have a good experience, meaning they're not sitting and typing drugs, but rather they're getting a report that they say, oh, I see your patient XYZ from... Blue Shield, we know what drugs you're taking. We've already created a report for you. Here's your report. You can have it anytime you want. Would you like it printed? Would you like some help contacting your doctor to look at these alternatives? Um, and because, as you know, the federal government has um, created a rule that only applies to Medicare beneficiaries that says that kind of thing is going to be required as January 1st. And I say that kind of thing because it doesn't, as is typical of the government, they don't kind of get into the weeds of what patients really want, but empowering them with transparency, alternatives, leading to competition and making it available at the time they think of it, which of course could be three in the morning or on their way to the doctor's office or sitting in the waiting room, uh, I think is the sort of the third leg to the stool, doc, pharmacist, and patient is going to be key. Right now, they don't expect it. I mean, I don't think there's anyone who, who has said, oh, here's my annual drugs and savings report and shows me all my existing drugs, and my lower cost medication. Part of what we need to flip here is the expectation that my doctor will know the cost of alternatives, the expectation that the pharmacist can help me and make a call and the expectation that I can walk in and hand the list of alternatives to the pharmacist and say, are any of these relevant for me? If so, why? And Or call the health plan for it. So it's not just delivering the services, it's really changing the expectation. And I would say, given 
the amount of weight that has been put on patient satisfaction in Medicare star ratings. And I think many employers want to see, you know, high satisfaction scores. That's at the end of the day, what the HR department wants is, is happy coworkers. Um, providing that when you know the cost of drugs is probably the number one issue for most patients who engage the system, having that and setting that new expectation could be a competitive advantage if you're an early mover. But what we need to have it is every patient just expects, of course, I know what the alternatives are. And I've made a discussion with my doctor and pharmacist, I'm on the right medication. And that leads us into talking about the role of the pharmacist and just um, a little bit of a touch point to the earlier question. Um, I think that uh, around equity, cultural competency is critical and important. And you have a bunch of pharmacists who work in the neighborhood, who are part of the community. And, um, you know, if they're helping the, you know, patients to navigate in their own language and, you know, understanding their culture, I think that uh, goes a long way to helping the physician in their duties and taking care of that patient. So, you know, that's, you know, my view, a part of of my view on the role of pharmacists, speaking as a pharmacist, but in your opinion, how do you see the role of pharmacists evolving and where do you see the opportunities or the challenges? When I was practicing medicine, there was a pharmacist in the hospital. I'm not sure I ever met him or her. And then there was a pharmacist um, at the retail pharmacy. And that was sort of my view of pharmacists. That was a long time ago, as I mentioned. Now, um, you have pharmacy teams um, that are uh, essentially acting as advocates for members, uh, for example, your team at Blue Shield. But in California, and frankly, in every state, uh, anytime you have more than, say, 100, 200 docs working together, there's a pharmacist on the team. It's a dramatic change from a few decades ago. And so then the question is, what is that pharmacist doing and why are they doing it? Well, they're participating in the care team and trying to make sure that the drugs are appropriate and affordable. And as you know, with value-based care and ACO contracts, there's financial motivation as there should be for the, uh, for the medical group uh, led by the pharmacist to get the cost down. So the players are in place on the field. And what we found is what's missing is the right equipment to empower the players to be successful. Specifically, what do I mean by that? Uh, if I was running, uh, if I was an employer and I had, you know, a thousand employees, I don't have a pharmacist. Uh, but if I was, even if I hired a pharmacist, what tools would I have for them to figure out how I'm going to get my cost down? Well, all I'm going to get is claims. You know, it's, it's driving, looking in the rearview mirror. And then if you think into the weeds, which we have worked through over the past few years, let's say... Uh, Dr. Selena has a patient and they're on a, a, a drug and there's a lower cost alternative. And I see that in the claims. I see they're not on the most cost effective medication. So I'll call Dr. Selena and say, well, how much, uh, and I'll say, well, you, you should move from drug A to less expensive drug B. Well, Dr. Selena is naturally going to say, oh, okay, good. How much is my uh, patient going to save? Well, if you can't tell them that with specificity, it can't be, well, I'm not sure, but it's going to be lower because what does Dr. Selena say to the member? So part of the weeds in this that we figured out is the pharmacist needs an interactive tool that says, I'm going to engage these 100 patients in uh, 
drug utilization review or medication therapy management or any of the things they do to make sure the patient's on the right medication, or I'm going to engage these 10 doctors tomorrow. I need a report that's accurate of today that says, here's all the lower cost drugs and here's specifically what the patient will save so that the doc or the staff is empowered to make those calls. So the, I, think the, I think the incentives are increasing their alignment, good. Pharmacists are on the team, good. Now we have to make sure that they have the tools that empower them to make the call that actually makes a difference. And I would say that gets back to broken record, transparency, alternatives leading to competition. I so much agree. I mean, um, uh, pharmacists get doctorate level academic training around medications, you know, far more than any, any other clinician gets trained around medications. And um, we have the business acumen around the business of pharmacy. And when you're standing in a pharmacy, you can price check medications all day long. But when you're in the patient care setting, if you don't have the tools, you're just really working you know, part way through, through your capabilities. So having those tools is, is truly critical. Well, and unfortunately, as you know, in industry, there's been forces that have been trying to keep pharmacists right. in their spot. It's known as scope of practice, but there's a, there was, fortunately, I think they're all gone now. There was a group of people who said, well, if we let pharmacists do that and doctors won't be able to do it and they'll make less money. I think now the problems are so severe and the doctors are so not prepared to consider every therapeutic alternative, that the doors are open now for the pharmacist to come in. I don't, at least in California, we don't seem to be fighting that battle so much. It's really, are, are they getting the right tools or are the incentives aligned, which of course we're working uh, on, on optimizing that. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about the drug cost analysis work that you're doing in partnership with healthcare industry? What trends are you seeing? Um, anything new other than what you've already shared? Uh, well, the, I mean, the, probably the biggest one that, that uh, is easier to understand is the consumer empowerment piece, which we discussed, um, combined with hopefully ubiquitous transparency, right? I mean, which at any point in time, everyone should be on the same page. The, the patient, the pharmacist, and the prescriber, the three Ps should be on the same. But there are some other things that, uh, that I think are, are, are key. The big one that most people see is, you know, specialty care, biologics, Mm -hmm. um, because that's migrating quickly. The, the FDA is approving uh, biosimilars. Um, some are now either interchangeable um, or, or maybe soon. And, and for some of the folks who, who are joining us, they may not know if, if, if I write a prescription as a physician for a branded drug and there's a, um, and there's a generic, the pharmacist can make that switch at the counter. Mm -hmm. um, these specialty drugs are tremendously expensive. It's one thing to have a, a biosimilar, as they call them, essentially an attempt at a generic. It's another thing to have that be um, exchangeable, if you will, at the counter. And for the most part, that's not the case. It's moving that direction. But the bigger point is, if you talk to any employer, they're going to say, where's your biggest cost rise? And they're going to say it's in the specialty drug and the biologics. The complexity of those drugs uh, and biosimilars and potential alternatives really requires much more than the traditional three-tier copay look at the claims after the fact. I mean, it, it's all the, the complexity requires systems to manage the complexity. And then there's another piece of that, which is site of service. It's not just which drug is going to be, for example, infused. It's, is that going to be infused in the doctor's office, in the hospital? 
This gets into all of the challenges with financial motivation uh, and all that has to be worked through. And, and now that we have, if you will, the train tracks to communicate yes. and systems in the back that are looking at the cost, we can begin or continue to look at specialty costs, site of service and say, how do we, again, transparency, alternatives, competition, um, and, and not just the traditional, you know, sort of, you know, co-pays. There, and there's one other thing that, that we're really excited about. We have a thing we call a Gemini score, which is the likelihood that a medication gets switched. That's relevant because if you're a pharmacist working with 200 docs, you don't want to talk to every doc every, I mean, you can't every day about every drug. You want something that says, this is the low hanging fruit. This is my 80-20 rule. And so that um, stratification of the drugs, knowing uh, what gets switched, then if you apply that to specialty, that's going to change dramatically. There may be no alternative, and then the biosimilar is approved, and now suddenly the Gemini score goes up because you have a, a switchable drug. So, you know, consumer empowerment, ubiquitous access to, to transparency alternatives and competition, specialty, and then, you know, a little bit in the weeds are things like stratifying the drugs, as, as we like to say, a Gemini score. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day when medications, uh, you know, barely registered on the cost radar, it was okay to ignore cost as part of treatment, you know, medication treatment, but now you cannot ignore it. And so much so that now people, you know, in the, in the seat of getting treatment, having to pay for these medications, they, they have to make the choice. They have to be involved in that cost versus, you know, um, health benefit versus risk uh, discussion. So just very, very critical. So looking at the future, <laughs> if we had a crystal ball, um, what gives you the most hope for change and reform in the prescription drug market um, to make sure that every person has safe and equitable access to affordable prescription drugs? Yeah, I, I wish there was a simple answer to that. Um, we have historical trends in healthcare that are either ambivalent to the cost of drugs or patently behind higher cost drugs. Uh, this is, you know, everyone's who works at a company's, their job is to make the company successful. So this is not a shot at big pharma or PBMs or pharmacies or anyone else. But if you traditionally think of who knew the cost of drugs, it was pharma, PBMs, and pharmacies. Each one of those, you'd have to argue, is um, does better when drug costs go up. And who didn't know the cost of drugs and the alternatives? It was the patients, the pharmacists. Uh, well, they knew to some extent, but they weren't empowered to do it, the patients, the pharmacists, and the prescriber. So the, the thing that gives me the most um, hope is that that's changing. Uh, and unfortunately, the bad news turns into the good news because, yeah, when I was first started practicing medicine, the, the, uh, of a healthcare dollar, um, less than, it was a single digit portion of the cost. And it may have been as low as 5% when I was in medical school. Now, obviously, it's over 20% and it's going up. Um, so that's, you could argue that's bad and good. Uh, you know, when I was in medical school, Hodgkin's lymphoma was a fatal disease. Now it's a curable right. thing. I, I practiced at San Francisco General when AIDS came up. That was a fatal right. disease. Now it's a chronic disease. So it's not bad news. But as you get these better drugs, how do you make them affordable. Well, the number one way you make things affordable is competition. 
-hmm. It's not price controls. It's, I mean, I'm not taking a shot, but that's how you make things affordable is you have a competitive landscape and you make sure that there's lots of alternatives and that there's a lot of transparency. So, the, you know, all of the things we talked about today give me hope that we're heading in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I look back on our uh, partnership and um, each year has gotten better. Each year we've had better adoption amongst uh, providers and pharmacists. And so it gives me hope too. Um, so now I'm going to end with something a little bit fun, a little bit of rapid fire question for you and get to know you a little bit better. So what's the one thing you do to stay healthy? Uh, the, you know, this probably sounds strange, but um, I, I lift weights now that I mean, oh my obviously, goodness. I'm not all bulked up, but I was really surprised. I went from weightlifting one or two days a week to every other day. And it uh, the older you get, the more you should lift weights. I mean, especially yeah. for women, frankly, because their calcium and so on and so forth. So if I had to say what's the one thing that was surprising that I do to stay healthy, it would be weightlifting. What's your most used app on your phone? This might be a little dangerous, but we'll go ahead and ask it. <laughs> it's it's not only not dangerous, it's just patently boring. <laughs> so so the hard truth is that uh, I <laughs> most use apps are email, weather.com. And because I live on the water in Sausalito, it's a, it's a tide chart. So if I'm going to go out kayaking, I need to know if I'm going to end up in Berkeley. Uh, if I don't paddle hard enough. So, so those are my, those are my apps. Well, the last question is you, you led right into it. What's your favorite thing about where you live? And I know where you live and I think you, everything about where you live is a favorite thing. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. I've lived in Sausalito for a few decades and I actually live on the water in Sausalito and we have a pier that goes out into the San Francisco Bay. And, you know, to some degree, if I, get my head straight in the morning. Uh, I, you know, you sort of feel like you're on vacation every day. Uh, and of course people pay a lot of money to come here. Uh, but my favorite thing about where I live is, and this was me an hour ago, is I walk to the end of my pier and I do what I call my fake yoga in the morning, which is basically back stretches and deep knee bends and stuff that's not really yoga. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a privilege to live uh, on the shores of the San Francisco Bay. Yes, it's beautiful. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Ed, for your time. And thank you all for taking the time to listen. I hope you walked away with uh, some really important um, understanding about the role of price transparency and how it will help reduce healthcare costs, uh, especially around prescription drugs. And then the critical role of pharmacists, and how they participate in the overall care team and how the industry can work together and do better things, uh, be more competitive to help us drive down the cost of, of drugs. And so for more information about Gemini Health, visit their website at gemini.health and join us next time as we continue to bring you a healthy dose of insights and perspectives based on conversations with leaders who are transforming healthcare. We'd love to hear your feedback, share your comments, let us know your thoughts by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can also join the conversation on LinkedIn or Twitter at Dose of Dialogue or visit our website at www.doseofdialogue.com. Thank you very much.